Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts. I just wanted to remind everybody that in today's episode, we will be discussing the topic of pornography. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello and welcome to Talking Catholics. Today we are going to be talking about pornography. I hope you didn't spit out your coffee. So many of us as women and Catholic women either know somebody who has struggled with pornography, um, either in their past or currently, or possibly even ourselves have struggled with it. So today we're going to kind of tackle that a little bit, share some of our stories and our insight about how to help each other on that journey to healing and honoring our bodies. We've been talking about in the past couple episodes about or how we see, view ourselves in our bodies and how we need to respect our bodies. And this is kind of a continuation of that conversation. What happens when we have subjected or we know somebody who has subjected our bodies or somebody else's and how do we heal from that and move forward? I know that I've struggled with this. I, I kind of alluded in a couple of episodes that my college years were kind of interesting, that pornography was part of my college years. It's been it's a struggle, and really the thing that kind of curved that was finding my spouse, and not that necessarily I shared that with him at the time or whatever, but just that my commitment to him, I had made my commitment to him stronger than that addiction, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That, now, has that meant I've been perfect throughout our our um, courtship? No, but it's it's been a journey. Like we've said in other episodes too, it's always a journey, and um, it's not easy. And I think we've talked about in other episodes too that our we, we feel like we have to present ourselves to others when really we're already enough. We're enough for God, and we don't have to make ourselves more than that. We're enough already. I think it's, like I said, a journey on learning that. I'm so glad that you were being so transparent because I I really know that there are women that are listening to this podcast that are struggling right now with it, have struggled with it in the past, and are ashamed of that and feel sort of like a loner on that journey. And it's not uncommon. For not just men to struggle with this, but women too. And it's just something that if we don't talk about it, and you know, we, this in this podcast, we don't shy away from the hard stuff. We are, we do talk about it, and we are really open and transparent. Because if we don't help each other, how are we going to heal? It's like you said, I'm just really grateful that you're honest, that you're just able to say, look, this is a thing in my life. It was a thing. I've overcome it now, but it's a thing. And I just feel like that's important because... It is a ravaging, victimizing problem in this country and in the world right now. It is actively 
um, involved in uh, sexual slavery. There's a huge connection to it. It is destroying marriages like wildfire. Second leading cause, second leading cause of divorce in this country is pornography. Um, if money is still the bigger one. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, the, the physical side effects that happen when there's a spouse who's addicted to pornography, the impact to unions, both sexual and otherwise, documented scientific studies, and it's more and more comes out every day about this this terrible plague that has overcome us and twisted this beautiful act of marriage into something so grotesque. And not just the act of marriage, there's all kinds of twisted things that go down with this. Um, I, I myself was a victim of molestation and my victimizer, and I'm going to be very raw because I think it's important that we, that we do talk about the victimization side of pornography, not just what it's doing to the women who are involved in it, but how the other ways that it can be used to victimize. Um, my victimizer used pornography to break down my walls and to use natural reactions to those things to plant the seed that this is something that I wanted. And it was very slow over time. And he waited and watched to see how I was changing and growing and becoming a woman to begin to plant these seeds. And so he made me believe through using this that this was something I wanted him to do to me. And it was all very, just very twisted and dark. But I had personally experienced what it is like to have those images planted in your mind against your will and to still see those images today in my mind 30 years later. Um, we need to understand what this is doing to our boys and our girls and the, what it does to the human mind and the way that it changes the way that we see the body. We're always talking about the value of the body. It's, it's a twisted an awful thing that I have been personally victimized by. And so that's the message that I want to get across. If your spouse or you are, are struggling with this, you don't need to pretend that this doesn't bother you, because I feel like a lot of women do that. Okay, let's just bring it into the realm of our spouses and marriages. That's where most of us are at right now. Um, it is absolutely a violation of the marital trust. It is absolutely a violation of the human trust. Um, it's a violation of the dignity of the people involved, and regardless of whether they choose to enter it or not, just because someone does not know the value of their own body, does not give you the right to, to disrespect them. And so, and you need to understand that this can be, you know, this is being used to victimize children. <laughs> and I want to get that out there because I want, maybe you have a teen boy. That you want to share this episode with me, so I want you to understand. I want you to be able to do that to show them a different side of how this. Once we go down this road as young men, what it's actually doing, what it's actually involved in, and the ways that it can actually be used to harm other people who aren't even in the room while these women and men are filming this stuff. You know, so it's it's something we have to talk about, and I know it's a downer to start out right away. I hope it gets lighter as we go, but I just want to get that out of the way really quick and say. Whatever you, wherever you are on the spectrum of having either experienced it, seen it, watched it, 
you know, spouse who struggles with it, we are, you're represented here at this table because we've all had some sort of exposure to that. And your feelings and your thoughts about it are really important and welcome. Um, and your feedback, um, as we share today, we're thinking of you and praying for you and trying to figure out how we can all walk together to heal. So, One of the things that I think is so key to even talking about pornography is that, you know, the sin, the, like the fall of Adam and Eve introduced this divorce of body and soul, right? It introduced death, which is the divorce from body and soul. And yet, in so much of the sin that is in the world is that same attack, like trying to divorce your body from your soul. And pornography does that. Pornography takes people's bodies and commoditizes them, uses them when our bodies are supposed to be gifts. Pornography, in pornography, when we consume pornography, we take. Um, and the way that that distorts is we, as women, sometimes uh, perceive ourselves as, as meant to be taken. <laughs> um, and as men, they lose that um, natural inclination to, to protect, to defend, to protect. To pursue, not to stalk, <laughs> but in a fine line between pursuing and stalking, um, but to go after a woman's heart. Because he, he, for that sexual experience, he doesn't have to do anything except turn on the computer. you know. And pornography seems to find its way into our lives. And we, the other days, I was on Facebook and something just appeared on in my news feed. What the heck? And, you know, I, I tried to scroll really fast. And, my husband had a similar experience, um, but you can tell in your relationship when you're being used and when somebody's really honoring you. And pornography seeps so into our psyche and changes the way our brain works. Like there's a, a great website, um, uh, Fight the New Drug, mm -hmm. that talks about the physical. It doesn't talk about pornography from a religious standpoint, but from the physical changes that are happening to our bodies the more and more we immerse ourselves in pornography. Um, another thing you know, to share with your, your young men is that erectile dysfunction is on the rise yes. because we're not having real relationships um, with people. It's all through the computer that we're having these experiences. Um, two, two things. One time I, I was with a friend. Um, this was a long time. We were in college, and we happened to be flipping through cable, and there was this porn on and we stopped and we watched it for a minute. And something that very much struck me was um, the woman, she was acting, you know, so into, you know, this or whatever. Well then all of a sudden this look crossed her face just very briefly. And I don't know if for me if that was a Holy Spirit thing kind of convicting my heart, like you're not supposed to be watching this, um, or if it was actually an expression on her face. But to me it spoke like she doesn't want to do this. She doesn't want this. Um, and there's even a, a documentary that Rashida Jones did. Rashida Jones, you might know her from Parks and Rec and from The Office. But she did this documentary uh, on young girls in the porn industry and the types of scenarios they're supposed to act out, the types of things they're supposed to allow to be done to their bodies. They don't want to do it. They want the money. They want the security. They want the 
the freedom from their parents. And one of the girls' boyfriends says, um, I used to watch porn. I didn't see a problem with it. But now I see how they're treating my girlfriend, and I want her to stop. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, you made a good point a minute ago about how it's using other people. That was kind of the turning point for me, is I had felt used, and I was... I had a couple of relationships that just, I had one extreme and I had another extreme. I thought, well, I, neither, I wasn't good enough for either one. I'm tired of being used, so now I'm going to be the user. That was really mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That was, I'm tired of being used, so now I'm going to be the user. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not good enough for anybody, mm -hmm. so they're not going to be good enough for me. That's really the mentality that I was coming from. I was just in this dark place that and I lived two lives like there's some friends who probably like knew there was something going on but they had no I like they had no idea what was going on if that makes any sense and then I had a total separate nightlife that after everybody left and it was not healthy but I just I had tried both ways yeah I tried this relationship that wasn't wasn't necessarily a good one, but then I found a boyfriend that we had a very you know chaste relationship, and and I wasn't good enough for either one of them, and that so I was just like I don't know you know I've tried both of these things and they're not working. I'm tired of not being good enough. I've been told I'm fat. I've been told that when I have lost weight that I am not modest enough. I've been told that I'm not Catholic enough. I've been told that. I'm too Catholic. I'm t I just got way too tired of it, and that you know, and it just kind of went that way. I wasn't saying, "Hey, let's turn on some porn today and find something you know to watch." It was just I came from a, a depressive state, and that's where it went. And like you're talking about, it changes your mind. And if you're already in a mindset that has a twisted distortion of reality. And then you move into another one, and they just feed off of each other. And you kind of get lost. Luckily, God put a couple of anchor friends in my life through some of them is who I met my husband through or, or kept me stable to be able to meet my husband. And that's what kind of pulled me out, if that makes any sense. And it's I, I really do think that those three or four people, I can I can point them out who they are. They probably don't even know who they are, but I know exactly who they are that kept me stable enough that I didn't sink as far as I could have. That makes sense. Like most addictions, it's a form of self-harm. Mm -hmm. yeah. so we're trying to fill this emptiness or whatever wound that we have to feed that. And it becomes a form of self-harm. You don't want to lose your marriage. You don't want to spend hours doing this thing. You don't want, you know, but it, you don't want to be a slave to it. But the underlying issue is why am I destroying myself? Mm -hmm. What wound do I need to ask Jesus for healing? Yeah, um, Stacey, I think you made a good point about, um, you know, saying that it was, you know, stemming from that, you know, you want, you felt like, you know, you weren't worthy. And I, that's the real key to defeating this is that we need to start valuing ourselves as daughters of God, as uh, feminine geniuses. And we have to believe 
we are worthy of Jesus' sacrifice, of we are, of that pure love and of our call to sainthood. And there's this quote by Venerable uh, Fulton Sheen. It says, when a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character, the more devoted she is to truth, justice, goodness, the more a man has to aspire to be worthy of her. I mean, this is a saying that um, men need to go off and say, well, well, you're not, you're not worthy, so I'm going to speak elsewhere. No, that's abuse. <laughs> um, we're not saying that. <laughs> we're not saying that. That's not what he says. Um, but that we need to realize that we are worthy of God's love and worthy of the respect of all those around us. And men are called to rise above that. And to rise to the challenge of being worthy of us. I know as a mother, I I feel overwhelmed by this, and I, I do refer to it as a plague. I really do. I think it, it's just it is a stronghold, a demonic stronghold in our society, especially. And I just think that's one of the ways that the enemy is trying to take as many down as he can, and he's doing a fine job of it. Um, but I feel overwhelmed as a mother of a boy and soon two boys. Um, because this is literally everywhere. <laughs> and if we are ever going to figure out how to raise virtuous children, we are going to have to be actively fighting this type of, not just, oh, I hope my son never sees this, but teaching our sons to find that unthinkable. How do we do that? That starts with babies, little tiny kids. And I started thinking about this. I was like, you know, how do you really form a person's character to be appalled? That's something I just learned everywhere. Yeah, and so I started thinking, it starts with teaching our, our and I, this is a little bit of a departure, but I'm going somewhere with this. So I think it starts with teaching our children to say no to their flesh, um, to, to avert their eyes when, I mean, I, you know, it's just little things like this. or. Um, like for example, my son always he's a gift person, he's like he's a item things, you know, he wants to get things and, and have things, toys. And so every time he would go into the store, it got to where he's wanting to take something with him. He wanted to have it. It's becoming, you know, it as innocent little children are not an attachment. So you could start to see an attachment for me to that. And that we took the opportunity to really talk to him about attachments. And about how the damaging the soul and damaging, and how the brain gets. And so we said, you know, every time that we go into the store now, your brain is getting this little rush because it thinks it's going to get something. That's not good for your brain. That's not good for your brain to continually have that rush of acquisitions. And so we taught this little five-year-old boy to, to, to say no to himself when he wanted that every now and again just to learn that he can say no to his flesh. That's huge. See, I don't think that we're teaching our children to say no to their flesh enough to learn how to master it and to say yes to something else so that when these little tiny yeses that they say to God, these little, you know, pulls away from the desire to have that candy or just become these little yeses become opportunities to say yes to God or yes to something else that's better. So when they have these big, big temptations as they're older, they've been practicing their whole life, these boys and girls, to say no to their flesh. And I think it's stuff like that. 
that we're going to have to do as parents and moms. I'm just trying to give you to do because I like those, you know. I like to have steps to my head on Because we just aren't used to saying no. We think that, oh, I want that. Like, mm-hmm. to be quite honest, if a man has a physical reaction to something he sees on the computer, he thinks that that has to be satisfied. Why is that? You know, you can say no to that. Try telling him that. Or try telling the teenage boys that. They don't understand. Where do we go wrong with that? That's the conversation that I think we need to have. Can we teach ourselves that our bodies don't have to be appeased all the time? We can say no to those physical desires or even emotional, strong, overwhelming emotional desires, just like what you were feeling. And, and you do, when you describe it, Stacey, there's on your face, which listeners you can't see, there is this a remembering of de- a feeling desperate, desperate to not be a victim anymore. And I, I can tell that that was an overwhelming thing for you, that it became the most important thing, that emotional desire, because you were so wounded. That's the kind of stuff that we have to address. What do we do in these deep and overwhelming wounds want to take over? What is the response to our daughters, you know, when they're having these big meltdowns about things you think are really stupid? And we were just looking at them crying, you know, and we're like, oh, my God. I need my response to be different. Because that's practice for what's happening to you there in that room in the dark by yourself when your friends are home. We got to teach our little girls, when the wounds get so big, do what can we do with them so that they don't overwhelm us? And this is the other side of the conversation that we have to be having, I think, to to overcome all kinds of victimizations and wounds in our lives. And so I guess my point, just coming back, is what the heck are we going to do about this? <laughs> we have to have that conversation. So I don't know, it's just thoughts that I have on. What can you do to fix this? <laughs> and I think what you just said right there, you, you know, teaching your kids to say no to their flesh, that the church can have wisdom and have that built into our entire year of times of abstinence and mm-hmm. sacrifice yes. um, to teach us that. You know, St. John Paul II says, you know, freedom is not the freedom to do whatever we want. Right. It's to the right to be able to do what we ought. Um, that, you know, I, I'm free because I don't have to eat the whole chocolate cake that somebody put in front of me because I've learned to say no to uh, to this. And I look at this kind of, what you just said right there, this is transforming my entire view of Lent. Like, yes, this is not just, we sacrifice because this is a spiritual discipline. It's like, no, we sacrifice to fortify ourselves against the world, against mm-hmm. the attacks of the world, um, which is amazing. So, and then... I wasn't going to share this story, but I feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's moving me too. But we had a friend who was coming over to the house, a young single man. And he always wanted to hang out with our family. And I never really knew why. <laughs> I thought, we are a crazy family. Why does this guy want to hang out with us? Um, well, there was a situation where my daughter and I came home from swim lessons. And I was very embarrassed. I didn't know he was going to be there. And I said to my husband, why didn't you tell me he's he's going to be over? Because we're coming in on our swimsuits and we're dripping wet. And my husband was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was going to be here. Well, so I am embarrassed and I run straight to my room to change. Well, my daughter was very young at the time. She took her swimsuit off and she ran through the living room butt naked. And I grabbed her as soon as I could. But I noticed right away there was something very different about him. 
Um, and I, I was so disturbed by it that the very next day I called my mother-in-law and I told her about what happened. And she said, oh, you know, probably he was just embarrassed and he didn't know what to do since he does, he's not around little kids, you know, or whatever. Well, then about a month or so later, we got a phone call that he had been arrested by the FBI for taking child porn across state lines. And all of a sudden, that memory of us coming home from swim lessons hit me and I thought, did he take a picture of my daughter? There's an image of my little girl out there somewhere. And I, I'm not kidding, I about had a psychotic break. I was out of my mind, crazy, sobbing all day long, every single day. And I, I called a friend of mine and I was like, I'm so mad, I'm mad at myself. How could I let this guy into my house? You know, why didn't I see the signs? And there, and there were a couple things. There were a couple things where that just raised my little mom's spidey senses, mm -hmm. but they weren't big red flags. Like you're, you know, there was no big creepy thing. He wasn't like, hey, let me take your kids to ice cream by myself or anything like that. Just a couple things that he said, little comments. But when it came to uh, me, you know, almost having a breakdown, and my husband feeling like he didn't protect his daughter and not wanting to talk about this with me. Um, I called a friend of mine and I said, I need help. I don't know how to pray. I can't even pray. I'm so out of my mind. And he goes, you do know how to pray. You need to say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Um, and so I just started praying that literally 24-7. I wake up in the night praying it. I dream that I'm praying it. Um, and then all of a sudden, one day, it was like this dark cloud lifted. And I had peace again. I had peace about the situation. And we did have to talk with an FBI agent, um, and it doesn't look like he took any, that he produced any of the child porn that he was found with. Um, so I just have to kind of trust that. Mm -hmm. But these are, like you know, Lauren said earlier, demonic strongholds. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to break these demonic strongholds is by calling down the name of Jesus, where we say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of temptation. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm defined by my addiction or by my sin and that there's no way out of it. Um, going to the sacrament of confession and receiving that grace and starting new again and making our relationship right with God. Um, we, have, You know, it's even taking holy water and sprinkling it around wherever this sin occurs um, of, of pornography. You know, we went through our house, wherever this man was and sprinkled holy water. Just you know, to to really free ourselves from any sort of uh, demonic temptation, or demo, sorry, to free ourselves from any demonic uh, stronghold on our family. Well, and then uh, more of what you were saying earlier about your experience in your childhood, like. First of all, while you're telling that story, I was praying for you the entire time. Like, I just, and I'm praying for everybody who has ever had that kind of experience. I just, I think it, I think it shows, I think a, a lot of people might look at that though and like say, you know, well that's an extreme case. That's, yeah, exactly, because it's all interconnected and, um, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, I don't know if it was um, during this specific recording or, or otherwise, but the consensual Pornography, it's linked to the exploitative, yes. forced 
part of the movie. It just is. And you don't know necessarily when you're watching pornography if the woman um, in that that scene is actually being raped or not. You have no idea. Um, and because it is so naturally exploitative, um, regardless of whether or not a woman or a man are consenting, they are being exploited. Mm -hmm. yes. It is naturally exploitative. It, it naturally lends itself to exploiting people forcibly. Um, yeah, I never had an experience like that, but I was exposed to pornography at a young age. I think I was, um, I think I was like 12, if I'm not mistaken, and it was through friends. Mm -hmm. um, so like guys that I knew, but when I was exposed to it, it just it made something switch in my head, and that's all I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I would you know, you know, sneak down to the basement so that I could get on the computer and, you know, look at pornography. And I was 12 years old. <laughs> like, that should not have been something that was on my mind at all, but it was. I, I think, I can't remember, honestly, like, it's kind of a, a fuzzy thing. I can't remember how I got away from it, but I haven't, you know, looked at pornography in many, 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 many years. But, um, you know, even like we were talking about how it's everywhere, mm -hmm. like even when you're not looking for it, you find it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, granted, this example, I was in college and um, we were doing a group assignment and it was over, um, you know, pros and cons, like, you know, um, about legalizing prostitution. And so um, my subject, specific subject I was looking at was brothels. And how they work, and you know what's involved in them, and all these things. And so I go to the um, the library at the college, and I start googling images of brothels, and a tornado just exploded yeah. on the screen, and I'm like, oh, all these things, people walking by, and I'm like, no, no, delete, delete. <laughs> But but so I mean it, it really it really is everywhere and um, I just another thing that's kind of um, a, a separate thing from this I think it's important too like you know we talk about you know obviously we need to pray for victims and we need to pray for our children to keep them safe and. Um, to pray for all of that, but um, you know, for people who are dealing with this addiction, because it really is an addiction. Mm -hmm. um, it changes in mm -hmm. your. It, it really does like chemically changes something in your brain, especially when you're exposed to it at such a young age and you're trying to figure things out. I think that it really, you're, you know, you're told that it's normal, but it just there, there's something wrong about it. Um, just in my personal experience with it, there's something wrong about it. Um, but I think pray for those who victimize. So those who, I, and I just I bring that up because, um, you know, I hear the stories about people victimizing other people, and you know, obviously it breaks my heart, and I want to pray for those people who are being victimized, people who are victimizing, and those people who are even they're victimizing, they don't know that they are that they're involved in the porn industry, and they're involved with the people who they know are being you know doing this consensually, or they think that they're doing it consensually. And, um, you know, I think they really need, like, our, our, our society really needs conversion of art badly. Mm -hmm. Our whole world does. And obviously, I mean, I think this is always going to exist. You know, we just, we really need, I think, that prayer in our society. Um, Victimizing someone. Mm -hmm. yes. On the phone. On the phone.
Yeah. It's well, funny that you said that praying for victimizers. Um, the Lord led me. Because, uh, last year, I've always avoided. I'm actually still in distant contact with mine. I don't see. I haven't in years. But I, the doctor's still there. <laughs> the, the, the connections are still there, just through family. And um, I don't mean to interrupt what you were going to say, so I'm going to be fast. Um, and the Lord just said, you know, I thought I had already worked through everything. It, part of it is when my daughter reaches these ages where things happened, I have this PTSD experience that I have to like take to the Lord and go through and just work through. And so it's very healing to watch her innocence remain intact where mine was stolen. So it's very, very comforting to me. Um, to watch her go through those stages. So that's been a healing for me and, and also painful. But last year, the Lord told me very specifically that he wanted me to begin to pray for him in true love and um, and to have a mass set for him, many, many masses for him, um, who stole everything from me. And... Uh, that mask was like the most intense mask I've ever been to in my life. And I can honestly tell you that if he ever hears these words being spoken over this podcast right now, that I hope he knows that I forgive him. And that I love him. And I wanted to go ahead. Even now, as I experience that loss again and again in my own life, this never goes away. You know, so we have to, you know, when I think about what happened to your family and I think about what happened to all of them, we have all been in some ways sort of blighted by it, Lauren. I just, I just want to thank you for saying pray for the victimizers. I know that's not where you were going, right? but, but I just think, you know, that that's a really important point. I didn't mean to just pull that back around to me, but it just hit me that I need to tell you that you're right about that and that. We do need to pray for our victimizers and for those who are being victimized by this. Because it is almost 100% the hurt hurting, the hurting who hurt. And so I'm just really grateful that you brought to that. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ask what you were saying. No, I just wanted to interject that. <laughs> there is a website just as a resource for those who maybe want to break that cycle, um, particularly, especially for men. It's called Let's or it's called TalkAboutHope.com. Um, it's a Catholic therapist that runs it. Um, deals with pornography addiction, sexual and identity issues, um, uh, particularly when it's attached to shame. Um, and wounds and, and trauma. So, uh, talkabouthope.com, this guy's down in the Tyler Diocese, I believe. I love that the title is Talk About Hope because that's really what we're just going towards. Is we, There is hope. You don't have to be drowning in an addiction. You don't have to be drowning in the hurt as a victim, or you don't have to be drowning watching somebody get stuck there. There's hope. And I think we've talked about several different ways on how to find that hope. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way to a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. And I think that just kind of yeah. really has resonated with me throughout this entire conversation is that scripture. Um, this is so prevalent in our society. And uh, whether it's something that you're struggling with, somebody you know is struggling with, God will always provide the way of escape. And we're here to endure with you. That's what we're here for. And resources. One last book. I'm so sorry to give you guys books and stuff, but no, this is book called <laughs> Uncompromising Purity. It's not just a guy problem. And it's about pornography and masturbation from a woman's awesome. Just know that we're here for you. If you ever need to share your story, we'll listen. Yeah, we'd love to hear struggles and victory stories and all of that. Like we want to know what's going on with you guys. But that's how that's how we're ministering to you all is sharing our stories. Let's endure together and bring hope. Porn is a darkness that needs to be brought into the light, and that's what we're here to do: shine light on it. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then. May God bless you and may Mary accompany you.